Grund nummer 39, 50% priskutt på bleier med A. Hos Rema 1000 satser vi alt på å gi deg Norges råeste bleikutt. 50% priskutt på alle bleistørrelser og typer. Alt fra Pampers og Libro til Level. Max fem pakker med priskutt per handletur. Bare husk å aktivere kuttet i e-appen. Rema 1000, alltid lave priser. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to the Radical Broccoli podcast. Today it's me, Suzanne, and every time I start recording a podcast, I just get the biggest smile on my face because it's so exciting to jump into another episode. I was going to say a conversation, but today we have a solo episode, so it's more of a monologue. But I hope it can feel like a little bit of a conversation. Um... It's great to be back. I'm back in the studio, as you probably can hear. And it is November already. Um, we're almost approaching mid-November. It is wild. We're approaching the end of the year. We have gone into winter, or technically, I guess it's still fall months. But here in the north, in Oslo, in Norway, it definitely feels like winter is here. And I had a bit of a shock coming from October, in October in Portugal, where I was in the beginning of October. We still had, we had a heat wave, so we still had 30 degrees and we were at the beach and felt like summer. It was very little wind and like long, beautiful days with lots of surfing and slowly it started, the temperature started to drop slightly. But then I traveled to Oslo, where I've been now for a few weeks. And the second or third day, it started to snow. (laughs) And when I arrived also at the airport, it was already snowing there. Um, So it was a bit of a shock both for me and for my son, Luca, who has never seen the snow before. And I'm not sure how much he can actually like understand of it, but I'm sure that he can feel that it's a different temperature. And it's been a whole new experience for us both um, to have a baby in the cold. But that's not the topic of today's podcast. But I always want to fill you a little bit in where we're at, what we're doing. So I'm in Norway now for some health appointments for my baby but also for the birth of my nephew and Annette's little son. He will come any day now and it is such a special and exciting time. Every night or every morning when I wake up, I have this feeling like, oh my God, what if it's today? And I check my phone if she's said anything or called and I've put her through on like, so that she can call me even though I have on silent in the night. So... I'm hoping that that function actually works. Uh, I don't think that I fully trust it since I'm sleeping kind of with one eye open, which I have done ever since I had a baby anyway. So I know that Annette is waiting as well. She's starting to get a little bit impatient and I'm trying to soothe her and (laughs) make sure that she relaxes and also enjoys this time before the baby comes. So she is taking a step back with work. She's on leave she is trying to rest, she's training, she's eating well and she's taking such good care of herself. It's super inspiring. So she went to the library and got like a bunch of books on postpartum and healing and and 
like motherhood, uh, breastfeeding. So it's just wonderful to see that she's really educating herself. And we've also had lots of conversations where I have shared some of my experiences only when she's asked for it. So, yeah, that's where we're at. And um, today you have voted through this topic for the day on our Instagram uh, at Radical Broccoli, where I asked you this morning, actually, which topic do you want to hear about the most? And we're four topics. And today we selected together, which was actually the episode that I also wanted the most to record, is about postpartum healing and recovery and my experiences with postpartum what I would do differently and what I have learned and what helped me the most so I hope to be able to support you when you go into your postpartum which is the period after you have given birth and I find it to be a period that is not talked enough about so that is my intention for the day is to give you support and inspiration and to make you like want to go into the postpartum period and to take care of yourself in the best way possible and to not become depleted but actually feel really nourished and rested and um, give you my best tips. But before we dive into that, I want to share with you a little update on the Radical Broccoli membership. So it's November and we have such a wonderful calendar this month. We have four incredibly powerful, strong, inspiring, feminine leaders, I want to call them, in this month's membership. And starting this Sunday... We have a Kundalini activation process lesson with Matilda Ritzen from Holy Crap. She is holding an online cup, which is something that I say is very close to magic. It's a transmission of Kundalini energy, life force, and you can feel it in your body that something shifts and changes and you can feel emotional release and you can get such clarity and cup has been with me through my journey of self-development for years and I've always been attracted to it and I've kept coming back when I want to upgrade and up level and I'm ready for the next version of me so make sure that you get that session with you on Sunday if you feel drawn to this and then the week after on the 15th of November we have a beautiful Alexandra Niemi called Breathe Your Way To. She's going to host a meditation session called Find Your Light and Make It Shine Brighter. And she has such a beautiful energy. Uh, she reminds us to breathe and to calm down and to be present and to really move our bodies and feel into what's going on. So it's meditation and embodiment. The week after, we have a healing session with Amanda McLean, the 21st of November. And Amanda is an energy healer. She will send you this beautiful energy and healing that you can feel and receive just the way that you are meant to receive it. And she has thousands and thousands of people join her healing sessions. Um, and the feedback is just incredible. Lastly, we have a session the 29th of November with Alexa Valentin, 
Alexa is hosting a four-week workshop with us starting the end of November about human design. And the first one is called Developing Your Inner Authority. And the whole workshop series is based on really finding out who you are and making it shine and putting it out there into the world and giving you the tools to really be yourself, the person that you were designed to be. So, oh my gosh, I would have been, if I had just found this membership, I would have been like the person who attended every single session, took notes, did the homework, did everything, went all in because the value that you get from these sessions is like, there's such immense value and transformation. But you have to choose to be active, you have to choose to be there, you have to sign up, you have to join, you have to actually invest um, and become a member and go all in and the transformation potential is up to you. So we warmly welcome you to join us. You can find the link below this podcast and on our Instagram and on radicalbroccoli.com to sign up for the monthly membership subscription. So guys, let's dive into the episode. And I thought we should start with me sharing a little bit of my postpartum experience since it's still kind of fresh in mind. And the first thing is that postpartum is sometimes viewed to be the first six weeks after birth. And then suddenly, magically, six weeks has gone and then you're supposed to be like, fine. <laughs> in my experience, postpartum is still going on for me. I'm seven months postpartum and I feel like I will kind of be in the postpartum kind of energy for maybe a year. And why do I say a year? It's because I know that healing some parts of the body can actually take up to a whole year. And that really shocked me at first. That surprised me. And I've come to terms with it now. And then I can stop feeling so impatient for healing to happen and actually just let the body do what it does. Because the body is wonderful and it is prone to always optimizing and always being the best version of itself. So the body wants what's best for us. Uh, so for us to like push it and be impatient is not really supporting what it's trying to do. So as you know, if you listen to my other podcasts, birth podcasts and maybe some of the latest stories... We had our baby a little bit before we thought that he would come, which also affected my postpartum period in a way that I thought probably that I would have more time to prepare. I thought that I would be taking a breastfeeding course and like buying different stuff and stocking up with food in the fridge. And I didn't do any of that. So I feel like I kind of tumble into postpartum a little bit upside down. Um, but I still feel like we handled it in a really good way. And I did heal and recover really, really smoothly and quickly. Uh, some parts of my body are still healing. And I did rest quite a lot, but I think that I could have rested even more. So... I remember still the first night with our baby. Um, he came at 3 p.m. in the day. So we had like the whole afternoon to to be in awe and to be 
starting to process what we just experienced, birth, and that we actually all have a baby now and how to put on diapers and how do we wrap him and where does he sleep and all those kinds of things. And we had our midwife with us for the whole afternoon. I can't remember how long she was there. I think she was there until 6 or 7 p.m., maybe even longer, until we felt like, okay, we can do this now. And uh, that night I was so high on adrenaline from giving birth that I couldn't actually sleep. And I think I was so in love and so in awe that I just wanted to lay there and um, stare at him (laughs) until I got exhausted and got like a few hours of rest between breastfeeding at night. And then the next day the midwife's midwife Maria, she came back again. We did, I can't remember exactly what we did that day, but I think we, she was checking if we uh, were all right with breastfeeding and how baby was doing with his digestion. And I think we took some measurements that day. And me and my partner, we had about a gazillion questions. <laughs> so we were, we couldn't wait until she came back. We're like, oh, she's coming at 10. Um And we obviously were experiencing a little baby crying a lot. And um, yeah, we just wanted to know what to do. Are we doing it wrong? Are we doing it right? All of these things. And then the third day, we were off to the hospital for his health checkup, which is not obligatory, but it's something that you get offered, even though we have a home birth or hospital birth. Um, We did like a hearing test and some blood samples for... I think some various diseases and just a general checkup of his body. And our midwife came with us to that as well, which was just the best support because we had never been out of the house with our baby before. Um, So that was a bit scary and overwhelming and everything and also exciting because we're like the proudest people in the whole world were like, look, we have a baby now. Um, and then after the hospital visit or after every single little outing or little thing that we did, I always felt like, okay, I need to rest. I need to go back in bed. I need to sleep. I need to just be at home. Um, even though I felt like curious to be out and about and see the world and everything. But the fact was that after the stitches and after birth, um, it wasn't so easy to walk properly. You can picture it having stitches in the perineum and they are healing three, four days in. um, It's not really comfortable to walk. So I was back in bed and um, was, yeah, trying to get my head to calm down a bit. And I already remember being so restless, like I want to... I want to go for a walk. I want to do something. I want to, I'm so used to being active. I'm used to being out of the door three, four, five times a day, training and walking and doing so much stuff, even up to the day before birth. So to suddenly have that change was really, really big. And looking back, I think I would have probably tried to maybe calm down a little bit before to get my body and my whole system used to resting. And um, and then day four, I I wrote down, I'm seeing it here in my notes, that I did go out for our first walk. And I think we went out the door, walked 
30 meters and then the baby started to cry and I thought, oh my gosh, he's hungry already. And then I sat down to breastfeed him <laughs> and uh, outside and I was like, how do you do this? They're going to want to eat all the time and not understanding that he maybe was just a little bit uncomfortable in the pram or this was just all new to him. Maybe he wasn't hungry, but still my instinct said that, okay, he needs to feed which is also nice because, of course, he was comforted by that. And then we put him back in the pram, walked a few meters more and then turned back and go went back into rest. <laughs> and the coming days we had a few visits at home. And this is when I got to practice both setting boundaries, but also daring to ask for help, which is two things that I want to firmly uh, like underline in this conversation today is two such important things one of them is that you get to decide whoever comes to visit you and you get to set the boundaries and if there is something someone or something that you feel is too overwhelming it's not like you have to say yes to people just because they want to come to see the baby the thing that I can see now looking back is that People should come to your home if they are there to support you. If they hold the baby, it's supposed to help you so that you can go and shower or you can go and rest a bit or go to the bathroom. If you're going to be like host and entertaining and like also taking care of the baby while you're in your postpartum period, I would say like think twice. That's not what you're supposed to do in that period. And I could probably be even firmer and even better at that looking back. And then asking for help. I remember asking my friends, like, I don't like to ask for help, uh, especially, I mean, with immediate family and my partner, it's much easier. But with even with close friends, I find it a little bit hard and a bit awkward. So asking them to like, can you bring a meal, please, when you come? I felt so, I felt vulnerable and weird and um, like I should be able to cook for myself. But you know what? We had so much to think about and so much to do. So grocery shopping and stuff like that was just out of the picture at that moment. We also had our dog and yeah, everything was new. And you really need the rest. So for my friends to bring meals when they came to visit was just, was a heaven sent, honestly. One of my best friends, she brought three different meals. And yeah, I can't even say how much that meant to me. Um, so that's great, great, great practice. And then... I, after a little while, I um, began to notice that I was getting some headaches. Um, and I realized, okay, there's something that my body is trying to tell me. So if you are inside my head when I get a headache, it's, it's like this. It's like, okay, this is a signal from my body. What's it trying to tell me on the emotional level? What's it trying to tell me on the physical level, on the mental level? Um, and I don't just go and take a painkiller and forget about it. It's like, this means something. And to me, it was signaling that I am not fully nourished on all the levels and I'm also doing too much. So, yeah, that was a big sign for me. 
But the rest of the body was healing really, really nicely. I also remember that I found it quite challenging with breastfeeding in the beginning. And the first thing that happened was that um, all the milk, all the milk came to the breasts naturally, beautifully, which they should. Uh, but then a little baby had, I don't know if he had like too small of a mouth or he just didn't latch enough. So the breasts were really, really full and it was kind of like overly oversupply all the time. So what I did was that I heated some towels and I laid it on the breast. So I took a hot shower and then I massaged them with coconut oil to um, loosen up any tension and to also massage like the milk ducts, I think it's called. And then when he was drinking, I was massaging it meanwhile so that all the milk could flow out from all the different spots. And it really, really helped. Second thing I did for breastfeeding was that I bought silverettes, like little silver cups for healing. And I wore them all the time in between breastfeeding and they really helped. And then... I also used cabbage. <laughs> I bought organic cabbage and I put it in the fridge so that it was cold. And then I took like one big leaf and I put it in each bra in between feeding sessions. And it felt so good with that like cooling, lovely effect. And those were the things that I was kind of drawn to. And then I think after 10 days or something, after honestly like crying while feeding and being so frustrated and not wanting him to latch and like dreading every time he was getting hungry and someone's like here he needs feeding uh, something shifted after a little bit of work and patience and rest and also research um, I have a favorite page which is called built to birth which is both on youtube and on instagram uh, check it out so much tips for pregnancy, postpartum, everything. So that's where I learned how to do these things. And while latching, um, in the first days, we have these after contractions where the uterus is contracting again to shrink back to the size that it was before giving birth. It's a magical thing that the body does. But I must say that I was a little bit shocked when I found out or felt like how it was almost like period cramps. It was quite quite intense um, on top of breastfeeding and feeling like the breasts were really sore and being sore down below. And then these after contractions. And this is the reason that I share this is not to be like, oh, you should dread this because it's a wonderful time but it's also challenging and I wish that I knew so that I could go into it with a little bit more awareness. Um, but it passes really, really quickly and I'm in awe of the healing that my body did during that period. And then the weeks and the months went by and I think at six weeks we were at... 17th of May and then we felt like ready to actually go out with friends and celebrate the National Day of Norway and so I think I was in pretty good shape already at that time and that's also the time when we usually have our first checkup with the doctor and 
I had such high expectations for my checkup and I thought like she would know so many things and she would like check everything and check my abs. But to be totally honest, she she was honest with me. She said, I, I can check your vagina and I can check your abs, but I'm not an expert on this. And she checked everything and she said, it looks like wonderful and super good and you have no ab separation or anything. Um, but I don't know enough. So yeah, I'm going to leave you at this. Um, and then I was like, but can I, can I train now? Can I do exercise again? She's like, yeah, I think it looks fine. And I was like, okay, is this it? Uh, I thought it would be like a full thing and I'll get more support and maybe even more checkups over time. But that's the only thing that we have, which is like part of the what's called pregnancy package <laughs> at least here and I know that it's common um, many places in the world that you only have that one checkup for the mama so one thing that I think is really important that we're going to get into later but I want to say, mention it already now is that I highly highly recommend going to a pelvic floor physiotherapist or a women's physiotherapist after giving birth you can go also during pregnancy and you can go before the six weeks, you can go at six weeks, after six weeks. Um, I went there, I can't remember when, I think it was maybe 10 weeks or something. And then I did it again, um, like two months ago, so at five months. And both those two sessions were really, really good for me. And I learned so much and I learned all about the uh, the exercises that you can do to strengthen the pelvic floor again and different breathing techniques and like how the scar is healing and everything, all the details that I wanted to know and about sex again after birth and about, yeah, the whole uh, core and how the core is rebuilding and how your uterus is doing. So yeah, this was what I was wanting and needing and yeah, I couldn't recommend that more. So that was a little bit about my own postpartum journey. Um, so where I'm at now is that I am super happy with how everything has gone. I am training a lot. I'm training, yeah, most days of the week. I'm not like training super hard, but I go to the gym also because that they have childcare and I actually get an hour off. So sometimes I just go there and I do some stretches and I go to the sauna um, but I'm there and it feels like I've been training, so that's good. And I'm still trying to take naps when the baby is sleeping in the day. If we have had like, um, even if we've slept a full night, I usually feel tired because I'm on alert and I'm on all the time. And I am, yeah, I'm doing little bits of like work here and there, but I'm still wanting and craving and trying to do as little as possible and to focus as much as possible on this wonderful special time that I have with this guy who's learning new skills and growing so fast every single day he's like growing out of a new piece of clothing and so I don't want to jam pack the days so that they just fly by and I feel like blink of an eye and he's going to be moving out <laughs> yeah so I wanted to go through a little bit more um details on the different areas of postpartum healing and first thing that I would love to talk about is food and nourishment 
because I've heard that 50 to 60% of women are actually nutrient depleted after giving birth. And we can just picture like the amount of blood, for example, that we lose during giving birth. I know that we build up a lot of blood, extra blood during pregnancy, which is also what comes out. Um, and the amount of energy that we use to give birth, but not only that, but also postpartum and milk production requires, I think it's about five to 600 calories per day extra. And I know with myself that I'm so freaking hungry and I'm eating so much. I have like two breakfasts every day and then I have a nice lunch and then I have like snacks in between and I'm craving nutrient-dense foods, which is what I highly recommend. Looking back now, I should have eaten, could have eaten even better during postpartum. And I know that my sister is prepping now. She's cooking one meal per week extra and putting it in the freezer. And then if you do that for 40 weeks, you have food for these 40 weeks. That is said to be like the holy time considered in both Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and in different traditions. It's these first 40 days that are just super special and important. So warming foods are fantastic in the postpartum. Um, this is also from like Ayurveda and Chinese medicine. Uh, and I think it's true, like we should stay really warm for the healing of the body like keep warm socks on don't go and freeze keep the belly warm keep you can even have like a scarf or i know that there are different kind of wraps that you can have around your belly and eat and drink lots of warming foods so nutrient dense foods think like stews and broths and curries and oats with different like chia and hemp seeds and cacao nibs and lots of fat when it's even whether that's from butter and coconut oil and part of this time for me has been also going really deep into my nutrition and I know that Many of you listening know that I used to eat vegan uh, throughout, actually, right before I got pregnant, I transitioned to including some animal products in my diet and during pregnancy and postpartum, I've craved it even more. So I think my body was just depleted of some minerals and nutrients that it really needed. And I felt like I, I can't get full on vegan food. Like I can't get, I can get full in the belly, but I can't get that feeling of being full on a cellular level. So bone broths, for example, is something that is super supportive in a postpartum period. Like you can make it in a bunch of different ways. And um, avoiding caffeine could be a really, really good idea. I know that it's important during pregnancy as well as our babies, whether through the milk or through the placenta can get uh, too much caffeine. So it's wonderful to reduce or to just eliminate caffeine and to switch over to herbal teas and you can have matcha every now and then and find other drinks that you love. And herbal teas are so important and so good during postpartum because they are packed with minerals. And we need to remineralize our body during postpartum because we lose a lot of essential minerals. And 
these little leaves, I don't think we realize how powerful they are. And we are like, yeah, herbal tea sounds quite boring, but <laughs> I have a cup of herbal tea here um, while I'm recording. And for example, nettle. Nettle is full of minerals and it is something that we could drink a lot during postpartum. And I know that many women drink a lot of raspberry leaf tea during pregnancy, which is also good postpartum. And there are a bunch of other herbs. Uh, you can consult your natural health store or look it up online, which herbs. Um, and I know that there are also specific herbal blends that you can buy. So that is something that it's great to stock up on. And in the herbal tea, I also highly recommend to put some raw honey also full of minerals and also helps you hydrate at the cellular level, which is my next point is hydration. During pregnancy and during breastfeeding, we need so much hydration. And I'm not just going to say water because we can drink a lot of pure water, but at some point we're going to need to add electrolytes as well. So I drank a lot of coconut water, I had a lot of tea with raw honey and uh, warm water with lemon and honey and ginger, herbal tea and watermelon and like food with lots of water in it is really, really good. And it's also a wonderful time to support our digestion even better so that also it can take up all the nutrients in an even better way. Um, so taking a probiotic or filling up with nature's probiotics such as sprouts or organic foods um, that really help us digest or fermented foods are also fantastic. And yeah, filling up with so-called superfoods like eggs are full of nutrients, salmon with lots of good fats, um, lots of veggies, cacao, and feel into what you are craving. Um, I know that I've been craving so much chocolate lately And I also know that that can be a sign that I'm lacking magnesium. So then I'm taking also a magnesium supplement to support my body with that. And then let's talk a little bit about well-being. Well-being for mama after giving birth is so important. And it's something that we sometimes maybe think that we don't even have time to think about. But... I'm going to remind you about the importance of your well-being to be able to take care of a little one. Um, you need to feel well. So the first thing is this lovely rule or lovely like little thing to remember. Rule of thumb, it's called. <laughs> And it is about rest. So the first two weeks after postpartum... Uh, It's great to have two weeks fully in bed. Like actually stay in bed and only get up if you need to go to the toilet. Um, even eat in bed and just lay flat as much as you can and keep really warm. And then, so two weeks in bed, two weeks on bed and two weeks by the bed. And then you have your six weeks postpartum. Those first 40 holy days. And this is something that I wish I had practiced, um, that I will definitely try as best as I can and do next time. I mean, I know that we sometimes have to do some stuff, but if we can practice this, I think it will be so highly supportive. 
And the reason that we should lay so flat the first weeks is that all our organs are going back into place and we have like internal scars you can picture after the placenta has been birthed. It is no longer attached inside of our body, so that needs to be healing and we are also bleeding after giving birth. Uh, and it is just super, super supportive to stay in bed and really let the body do this job that it is doing. It doesn't really need anything else to think about than that and the baby, of course. And then the next two weeks, we can picture it like we're on the bed. So we are a little bit up from the bed, but we're mostly on the bed. And then the next two weeks, we're by the bed. So we're never too far away, but maybe we're moving around a little, little, little bit more. And then something that everyone says, but I know it's harder to do in practice. And I remember this, um, but this was actual game changer for me. was When I managed to take a nap every single day, I felt like my mood flipped upside down. So I definitely experienced huge mood swings during postpartum and... After giving birth, we actually have this huge hormonal drop. The biggest, I think it's the biggest hormonal drop in our life. Uh, so as soon as the baby and placenta have been delivered, the hormones, estrogen and progesterone, they plummet. They like drop to a level that that drop is so huge that that's why we can experience both baby blues and like some... Some people can experience even going into depression or feeling really sad and it can be hormonal. Uh, I mean, I also think it's a combination between what's actually going on in our life and the overwhelm and the the new life that we have created and like how are we going to take care of this little being and also being triggered by crying and sleepless nights. But it's definitely also hormonal and so I could... Um, wake up and feel quite good and then after a few hours I was pretty exhausted already so at some point mid-morning when the baby took one of his naps I would I would not want to but my partner would say to me like now go and sleep come on away with your phone away with the whatever you're doing like you don't need to do anything of this don't put away the dishes and I would have been starting cleaning and there were so many things that I wanted to do and like take pictures and post on Instagram and la la la. But he just said, no, put away everything and go to sleep. You can do it. You can do it after. And then I fell asleep quite quickly and woke up maybe, yeah, whether it was 10 minutes to an hour later. Every time I woke up, I felt like a new person. So... It can be hard to do that if you feel like, oh, but I have to take care of the baby and look after it. So always make sure that your partner or your parents or your friend, someone is like keeping an eye on the baby or maybe you're sleeping next to baby. So then it's fine that you can you can allow your body to drop down and actually go to sleep. Then I would highly recommend something that I have done, which is to take sits baths. Or you can also go in the bathtub, but sits bath is where you actually bathe like only the lower part of your body, um, either only your bum and your vagina or like your whole lower body with your legs in a little bathtub. And you put 
coconut oil and different herbs in the bath and maybe Epsom salt and it's like this healing bath for the whole area that has gone through birth and at some point I did this every single day because I was feeling really sore and I felt like that warm nice water really soothed the area and I know it helps also with the blood flow which also can speed up the healing so sits baths can be highly recommended I actually bathed in my baby's bathtub which I found so handy so when baby was sleeping or someone else had him I was like okay I'm gonna take my bath now so 10 to 20 minutes in the sits bath and then I would use coconut oil and massage it everywhere even on the nerve endings where if you've had a scar like me um, I pelvic floor physiotherapist recommended to really massage the scar to actually teach the nerves that it's not dangerous to be touched here because these nerves are on a little bit high alert. They're actually in trauma after um, after the tear and it was tiny, but it was still really sore and I can still feel it now. I know like exactly where it is and I can still feel it when I touch it now. It's a little bit different than the rest of the skin. So both of the different physiotherapists, they said like, get coconut oil and like massage the area and get familiar. And maybe this even sounds daunting or way too much for some. Maybe you are one of the women who like, I'm not even going to look down there after giving birth because it's horrible. Um, I, I hope that you find the strength and the courage and the love within yourself to take a mirror and look at what's look at how it is now and actually admire it because it has birthed a baby and no matter how it looks you have done this and you were incredible in doing this um so please find so much love and support for yourself also when you're looking and try to not say anything bad or like criticize because (laughs) you're a freaking mother and a woman and you deserve only praise and support So I did this with my midwife two days after because she was also the one that gave me my stitches. So she asked if I wanted to look how it was and I did. And I was scared. I was nervous. I was, I think I was even shaking. And then I had a look and I was like, oh, okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I didn't really know how to react And then, uh, as I always do, I like, I want to go through it. I want to see it. I want to be with it. I want to look at it again. I want to like hold myself and not be afraid to, to bathe and to, to like massage the area. And I'm not going to escape and avoid this because this is the area that needs a lot of love and attention right now. So, um, there are also different, um, ways of doing it with the bleeding but I was craving um, a lot of like no plastic in my (laughs) next to the new fresh uh, wound like I didn't want to wear those diapers for a long time and I wanted them to be in cotton and then when I went over to pads I started to use organic cotton pads and then I started to use just like little cloth Uh, that I would wash so that it was just soft, super, super soft and gentle towards the skin and so that it could breathe properly and heal properly. And also not wearing something at some point of the day to just get air and 
it felt really intuitive to me. And that wasn't something that I'd looked up or anything, but I was like, okay, I'm going to lay on a few towels and maybe on like the warm bathroom floor after the bath and just let it, um, let it heal and get some fresh air. So, um, yeah, this takes me to my next thing that I wanted to recommend is that use natural products. Um, I think it, it comes as this lightning through us during pregnancy, like, oh my gosh, I need to change everything. I need to have all natural makeup and all natural skincare and all natural clothes because we are so concerned with how the baby's doing. And it's funny that we don't really care about that for ourselves before, but if you start now, it's fantastic and it matters. Like which laundry detergent do you use? It should be with absolutely no perfume and no additives and no nothing like the most clean stuff you can find. And also cleaning baby's clothes so that there's no colorants in the clothes. And also, of course, choosing organic cotton and linen and wool for the baby. Um, so no no synthetic materials on the baby or, or on yourself, even your panties, everything that touches your breasts. And yeah, I mean, your whole body, you're so worthy of wearing natural um materials and using clean organic products for both you and baby and of course skin to skin is the precious 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 gift that we get through uh, getting a baby um, baby wearing and looking back or looking forward I would say to the next time I'll have a baby I will wear I will buy one of those um, baby wearing wraps uh, that's not what they're called. <laughs> I think they're called baby wraps. Um, just like this huge um, piece of material in soft, soft, soft material that you can wrap the baby and it can be like on your chest and maybe without you even wearing anything under and with the baby in the, in the diaper um, so that you can get the most skin to skin. It's actually so healing. It makes us produce lots of oxytocin and it co-regulates our nervous systems and it calms down the baby. So, yeah, that's something for next time and maybe something for you. And then um, a little bit of my experience around postpartum hair loss, I wanted to mention, because that's a scary thing for some. And it was a little bit scary for me as well. Um, because during pregnancy we build this fantastic strong hair and we actually grow a lot more hair during uh, pregnancy because of our surge in hormones. So the hair gets so strong and we actually get more hair. Um, and then slowly over postpartum period, around four months, it is expected that we lose a little bit of hair. And I actually thought that it wasn't going to happen with me because I didn't see any signs of it until four or five months. And then I was like, oh gosh, here we go. Because like everything, I believe that we can really, um, there's nothing that we have to experience. You know, I didn't experience a lot of the things that people say that you will, like, for example, smelling really bad in postpartum. I've never smelled anything. And um, like feeling like you can't digest your food when you're pregnant. I had amazing digestion or being really gassy or getting really swollen. I wasn't swollen. Um, so we have to take everything with a pinch of salt and not actually expect and create every kind of um, thing. But some things actually do happen. And if postpartum hair loss happens with you, 
I wanted to give you some support. So the first thing that I did was actually to do some research. And the research said that it's great to get a haircut. Um, so what happens is that you start to see um, when you wash your hair, or when you brush your hair, that a lot of hair just comes out and it looks a little bit freaky. Um, but don't don't panic because it only took a few weeks or two months, I think. And then I feel like my hair is actually growing back even stronger again. So it's so it's so cool. So I got a haircut to just loosen the heaviness so that it doesn't feel like heavy. And um, and we should really treat our hair super gently because it's really prone to fall out. Because the, I think it's the hair, uh, like the socket where the hair is, is bigger than the actual hair, um, which is part of the, of the process. And that's why more hairs fall out. So we can really support ourselves through food also. Uh, we need food that's high in protein and it's high in biotin and vitamin A, C and E. So eating a nutrient-dense and varied diet really helps. Like fish, nuts and seeds and sweet potatoes and eggs and greens can be really good. We can also take a supplement with biotin in it and we can use hair masks to um, support the hair also. And I want to really emphasize this part, but like treat your hair nicely. Um, say nice things to it. Treat it gently. Don't brush it too hard or wash it too often. Like try and really be easy on it. And don't panic because it's going to grow back. And mine is even growing back stronger where I used to have a lot of baby hair. Now it's growing back again and they look like darker and thicker. So I find that really, really fascinating. Um, yeah, so, wow, postpartum, there's a lot to say. Um, and I want to wrap up this episode with also mentioning, um, like mama well-being, mama, when you have your baby, it's a huge identity shift as well, of course. You are going from the maiden to the mother, or maybe you already are a mother and you're going to be a mother of two or a mother of three or even more. And what I noticed with myself was that it was a bit easy to just lose my own identity and just become the mother of Luca. Like, even when people come to visit and stuff, they are just like, hi, Luca. And then I'm just there, you know, as his feeder and his supporter and... And that is, of course, natural and it's beautiful and it's fine. And I love that role more than anything, um, which is why I need to remind myself also that I am still Suzanne. I am a person, I'm my own identity and I have my own life. And sometimes I also need a break from the mother role, uh, which is so tricky because, yeah... I know that mom guilt is something that is talked a lot about and many women feel guilty taking little breaks here and there. Um, and I think it's biological because we are wired to want to be close to our baby. And of course, it is natural to be close to our baby. And I think we should be. And <laughs> I think that it's a beautiful thing and it's, it's our, a part of our body still. We just grew this baby inside of our body and now it's on the outside, but we're still, we're interlinked you know this with your motherly intuition you can feel across the building what your baby needs you can hear him turning in bed like through brick walls 
and you instantly know what the baby needs. Um, and that's part of our motherly intuition. But the mother also needs a rest and she needs time for herself. And some of the first things that I did in Portugal was, I think the first time ever that I left the house without my baby, I left him with my partner for an hour and I actually went down to the beach and I laid there and I took a swim and I laid there in the sunshine and I was like, wow, I am me. <laughs> There's still me under here. It's not, it's not the old me, it's the new me. And she is strong and she is powerful and she is important and she needs to take care of herself. So as much as we can, trust others to take care of baby now and then uh, so that you can do you and try not to do chores then or anything that's for others like do something that's just for you and this is something that my mother keeps reminding me of because she said that she wasn't good enough at this she says you need to also put aside money don't spend all your money on the baby you need clothes you need to feel fresh you need to get a haircut you need to get a massage you need to do all the things that make you feel supported and why do you need to do that because you become the best version of yourself you become a fantastic mother a partner a sister a business partner a colleague and not that that's like the time for being a great colleague right now but in the future and we can become a little bit resentful or bitter or i mean depleted or sick um, burned out even if we don't take good enough care of ourselves during postpartum so Mm, I feel like there's so much more that I could say. Um, but take time for yourself, take a breather, do a meditation, or maybe just don't do anything. Like put away your phone, lay in bed, stare in the roof. Maybe hopefully you fall asleep. And I know that I need to decide sometimes with a willpower to do that, to really take care of myself because I want to be with my baby all the time. So, yeah, I'm so in awe of every single mother of all of you listening who want to become mothers who are scared of it who who are maybe trying to conceive uh, but finding it challenging or who just had your baby or who's never going to have a baby again and who's already a mother um, so much love and so much support and awe to all of you uh, I'm learning through you guys as well and thank you for all the support that you're sending my way and our way And I hope that this episode was valuable to you. Um, and if it was, please subscribe to our podcast and rate it. It helps us uh, improve and it helps us develop and it, and it shows us um, what it means for you guys so that we can keep creating and uh, keep doing this. So have a beautiful day and uh, I can't wait to talk to you super soon. Bye. Har du ett enkelt personföretag eller en liten bedrift? Då är er du sikkert lei av att höra mig snacka om hur enkelt det är er med kvitteringar och bilag i Fiken. Så vi ger oss här vi. För vi liker enkelt. Fiken, superenkelt redskap.